Expo. Lake Speed Junior again with my good buddy Cass Choate here at Choate Engineering, aka the Diesel Doctor. Talk, tell me what's your proper name, my friend. Uh, hey, you. That's pretty hey much. Hey, you? Hey, you, though. I'll answer to anything, uh, uh, pretty much. I grew up the same way, by the way. Did you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, we, uh, well, this is a, a big year for us. So, we just changed. Uh, we're known as Diesel Doctor, mm -hmm. um, uh, but we've since moved into a much larger facility. And yeah, it's really big here. Yes. It's at the old place. We had to go outside to change our mind, but, uh, <laughs> but it definitely has been uh, a welcomed expansion. So you got some elbow room here. Was it, uh, you said four acres under the roof, four acres under the roof, five acres outside. So yeah. Yeah. yeah now we, uh, we can really stretch out and expand the, the business. And, and, uh, that was always a big, big hindrance for us. So, okay. so, but with that, um, you know, we, we always had the repair facility was based off of the diesel doctor. Okay. So that's how I actually started. And uh, okay. so when that changed, uh, we, we started progressing more in the engine building and, and part manufacturing. Okay. Uh, and from that, the, I wanted something that I could to put my name on. Sure. Literally. Yeah. Uh, own it. Like a valve cover? Absolutely. And so, uh, there's nothing more personal than that. So no. something you take, you know, you work hard and you put, yeah, you take pride in your work, and um, so you know, that's cool. More personal than that. So. Well, that's how I've always known you mm. was in the part manufacturing side. Yeah. So that was like okay, it was diesel doctor. Yeah. So, well, I don't know. Anyway, so now we got, got a little backstory here. Yeah. So you just moved this past year to this new facility. Yeah. So a little bit of rebranding, expansion, a little more focus yeah. on this. I mean, not taking focus away right. from the uh, repair side, but just adding on. Yeah. Um, just adding on the, you know, starting out, um, we, in order to, to progress in a business and really know, and I think we talked about, we've talked about this before, but starting in teardown is often the best way to learn. You know, yeah. You were reading my mind, right? Yeah. So that you, you saw all the problems you got first hand. When you're a mechanic, you definitely see that. You're like, oh my gosh, this guy's coming in. He's got an old leak. I already know where it's coming from before. You know, yeah. I get those phone calls all the time. I've had people call me and literally I'll walk in and I'll hear the customer service and I'll hear uh, one of the guys on the phone mm -hmm. and he's already telling me about an issue and I can overhear the conversation without and you actually, already know. Yeah. And I'm just over there. Okay, this is his problem. He doesn't have this torque converter seat. That's the reason why. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Something simple like that. But as a mechanic, you're constantly seeing problems, and yep. you see them specific year model problems, uh, okay. not just straight across the board. So you're seeing uh, the differences maybe from a ninety-four and a half seven three all the way to a two thousand and twenty or two thousand whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, engine or whatever it might be whatever iteration of the design spec was at that time pick your poison <laughs> right got it so that's basically how that works but being that we were able to see the mechanical failures from the mechanic standpoint mm -hmm. and also from the teardown guy uh, i got really 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 acquainted with not just the nuances and the uh, idiosyncrasies of the engine and and the assembly and the part which part fits what and how this works and what the geometry of it is mm -hmm. but what we saw you know continually failing and uh, that's what you know, necessity is the author of invention, and that's always good. that's the biggest help for me was being able to see what failed on the guy's truck, and uh, then that leads to the question of why did it fail, mm -hmm. and then thirdly is what can we do to keep Fix it, it from failing? Right, yeah, exactly. And that's where the Haas CNC machines come from, right? Yeah. <laughs> How do we fix this? We're going to make our own parts. That's exactly right. <laughs> so that's what we've done, and uh, you know, it's it's worked really well because starting as a mechanic, uh, I was trying to get good machine work, and then. 
uh, from there, uh, it just kind of exploded into to what it is now. Obviously, the Power Stroke is one of the engines you work on. It's not yes. the only thing you do. Ford Chevrolet Dodge Cummins Duramax Power Stroke. That's our uh, that's our mainstay, yep. and uh, we are definitely branching out into some of the smaller. As we're seeing more and more, uh, I was telling somebody the other day, I think it was Keith, mm -hmm. we were talking, and I said, you know, uh, during the pandemic of 2020, yes. uh, we saw that there was a growth of 28% in the diesel market, which okay. everybody was fire sale, fire. I mean, I bought some equipment pretty cheap during that right. time because, you know, everybody's ready to, we don't know what's going to happen. Oh, exactly. Uh, and, but, you know, with that being said, one of the biggest things that you see uh, is that you, uh, the the ever-growing market for um, campers, you know. Oh, yes. So oh, yeah. Big, that was, yeah. Yeah. That was one of the biggest things that uh, um, that really grew during that 2020 yeah. chaos. Makes sense. People were ready to go somewhere. And so the campers don't get smaller. It's like no max or... No, they, yeah, everything gets supersized. Yeah, right. exactly. Look at people. I mean, yep. everybody gets bigger. The camper gets bigger. What's it going to take? It's going to take a diesel truck. Yep. So that's definitely helped us. Uh, that's helped our market. So, yeah, it's been it's been good. So specific to the Power Stroke platform, talk a little bit about the things that you've learned and maybe some of the parts and things you've developed that are help solve some of those problems along the way. Sure. Um, well, if you want to go to the holy grail of all diesel engines, uh, and I'm not talking about the 12 valve, we're talking about Power Strokes. Okay. Guys get really. Uh, I mean, they are hardcore. Uh, avid diesel lovers. I mean, when you talk about the 7.3. Yeah, I knew that was coming, about, right? You're, you're talking about, I mean, those, Passionate. Yeah, best diesel, those are fighting words. You know, if it's not the 7.3. I mean, it's, mean they're like, kind of like Mopar guys, right? Uh, Sorry, Mopar guys, I had to throw that out there, right? They, yeah, they, exactly. They, they, got, they got it hard, they got that's, it bad. That's, well, you know, somebody's got to do it, right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but anyway, so the 7.3 was uh, definitely a solid platform. But mm -hmm. the thing that we've seen um, a tremendous change in is the way that the end user looks for the diesel. I mean, back in the day, mm -hmm. we've talked about how the old Oldsmobile, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, diesel engines were absolutely the worst thing you could possibly think about as far as drivability. And the, for the end user, it's smoky, it's laggy, it doesn't start cold days. And when it does start, you better let it sit there and warm up. And, it just it was it was not a pleasurable experience owning a diesel engine uh, back in those days. However, that's completely changed nowadays, and people are thinking the engineers specifically are thinking of how can we take a diesel engine, have the torque of the diesel engine, have the longevity of the diesel engine, yet have the drivability of a gasoline. Yeah. yeah. So the seven three, and I say all that to say that the seven three was the predecessor. It was the dinosaur that they said, "Hey, that's a T four forty four E." You know the first power stroke mm -hmm. um they just yanked it out of a dump truck or a, or a school bus mm -hmm. and said you know what what if we just stuck that in that truck over there you know and that's basically the way it worked uh okay. same thing with the 6pd commons i mean kamatsu used them in dozers for years <laughs> so it was it was an industrial application yeah it's an industrial engine you stick it between the frame rail and you know you put it behind an automatic transmission and say hey you know we've got it here you go and so that still would serve all the purposes that it was intended to do, mm -hmm. but it still drove like a dump truck. Right. Uh, it did not have the drivability. And of course, with uh, aftermarket parts, we can always, you know, uh, uh, fix those those uh, insufficiencies or inadequacies in the engine. Uh, but the 7.3 had had a few problems, but very minor. There really wasn't a whole lot there. Um, so was that, that were there 
first generation with the new, what we'll call it, newer multi-injection strategy. So that actually came out in uh, when, so the, the uh, multi-injection actually took place uh, with an AE and AD code injector. Uh, okay. That's when they they changed. So they didn't actually split that until. Um, the funny thing about it is, is '98 mm -hmm. there was no such thing as a production year for Ford for uh, for a, a Super Duty. So okay. not late '99 is when they went to split injection. Okay. So they didn't start doing that. So when we saw split injection, we saw a tremendous amount of differences in the tone. Uh, it quiet in the truck. Right. Exactly. You know? So that's interesting because as an outsider kind of looking into the diesel market from a little bit, it's always kind of struck me that, oh, okay, the reemergence, if you will, of diesel power, oh, that, that had to be just multi-phase injection. That, that was it, right? It's like, yeah. it's like it's, it, diesel to diesel, what, what did you do to make it powerful? Oh, it was the injection that kind of turned everything loose and made it where, man, we could really start doing some interesting things here. And then I guess EC engine management must have been part of this too. Definitely was. The big thing where you started changing was uh, keep in mind that for uh, many years they had the 6.9 and then they came out with the 7.3. And mm -hmm. the, a lot of folks don't realize there's a 7.3 indirect injection and there's a 7.3 direct injection. Okay. Well, the 7.3 direct injection was 94.5. That's when it was commonly termed as a power stroke. Okay. So indirect injection was... Uh, it's kind of like the guy that threw the grenade and just waits for something to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, that's indirect injection. You know, it's it's the small combustion chamber. It explodes and then it spreads this explosion into the to the cylinder itself. Uh, My which, eighty-three Mercedes. Exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> nothing happens really fast. You know. No. You have nothing to happens fast. Anticipate the truck coming right. before yes, it yes. comes. Right. Yeah. So you know that there's a five-second lag. Yeah. That's just the rule, right? Um, so that really made a big difference. So even before uh, the ECUs were developed in order for that to take place. Um, direct injection. So direct injection was probably the first major step in kind of yeah. uh, elevating the performance capabilities of a diesel. Then you get into ECU, then well, you get into multi-phase injection. They go hand in hand, right? You can't have one without the other. Yeah, and there was a lot, well, there's a lot to change there. So 93, 94-ish, there's uh, when they first introduced the turbocharger. Okay. And so that was huge. Okay, when that first came out, uh, and then intercooling that mm. was that was okay. big because if we can lower uh, the um, uh, mass air density, yep. uh, yeah, the mass air density, we can definitely create uh, cleaner combustion and more complete, more power. And then from there, uh, you know, that's when we started. That was when when the direct injection came out and the power stroke engine came out in, in 94 and a half. That's where we went into the Huey injection system. And if you, you know, yep. if you get bored with this and fall asleep, I don't blame you. But it's called a hydraulically actuated electronic lick control unit injector. Yep. Okay. So basically all it is is a, basically an intensifier piston that magnifies whatever the pressure is on the top side mm -hmm. seven times to whatever comes below it. Right. You know, so if you have one pound of pressure on the top, you got seven pounds of pressure coming out. So what it is. It's a really complicated way of, of mechanical fuel injection. It's Yes, it's a very complicated way. And it was from Caterpillar that that actually came from. Right. Um, so, but they were the ones that uh, that were internationally used at the Caterpillar was one that, that designed that first uh, product. But it's basically like a, you know, if you think of it like a syringe. Mm -hmm. you know, and that's just the way that it works. Except the guy, instead of you pushing down with your thumb, we're going to do it with oil pressure. Right. And then we're going to make this piston, uh, seven, make it uh, be able to magnify it times seven. Uh, do the geometry. So, I, I might know a guy 
that has a little bit of experience with tribology that, 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 that knows a little bit about what that does to oil. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know the same guy you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we know the same guy. Anyway, carry on, carry on. So uh, the heat injection system was a great, great, it really did work well. Mm -hmm. You really can't complain about it. The big issues that we see with those were, uh, common issues were the, um, say, O-rings on injectors. Mm -hmm. But as the way that turns out, most times people don't realize the effect. They realize the cause. They don't. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times it was oil temperatures that they were seeing. Um, and that would cause uh, excessive uh, wear mm -hmm. on O-rings and, and the seals that were being used. So you'd start seeing where these seals are under maybe 3,800 pounds of pressure, mm -hmm. uh, they would allow oil to get into the fuel. You know, mm -hmm. and it would just literally eat itself. The great thing about the 7.3 is you couldn't kill it simply because uh, if it got low on oil, that was its lifeblood to fire the injector anyway. So it just shut off. Right. So, so many times I've had people call me and say, man, I can't get my truck to start. It's like, have you checked the oil? No, but that's not going to do anything. Just check just, the oil. Just try me. <laughs> just try me. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that's, you know, and they kept that design uh, from the 7.3 and they carried it over to the 6.0. Um, and the 6.0 was definitely more problematic uh, with that design. Okay. Then were, and the simple reason for that is, um, well, there's many reasons trying to keep it as, as short as I can, but oil temperatures, they changed their oil cooler to okay. be much more compact. So you had seven layers of cooling, seven uh, for coolant, mm -hmm. seven layers of, of oil. Uh, because of that, it's a much more compact design, mm -hmm. and it did not provide as much heat dissipation as needed. What, yeah, and the engineers just just missed it. Missed it. And um, not only that, they had a lot of issues with uh, a lot of the sand casting in the blocks. So what okay. would happen is, is that sand casting, instead of getting it out like they should have, mm -hmm. we've got a really small coolant passage now, and it'll get plugged. So, Ooh, no. and then on the backside, I mean, it's like a perfect storm. Right. If you were just going to create disaster and you were going to sit down on a piece of paper and plot it out, like how can we just absolutely have the worst case scenario come out and end up with blown head gaskets? This is the way we're going to take the paper trail. That's what they did. Because, <laughs> so what they did was they had an oil cooler that's too small, mm -hmm. a block that's nasty, mm -hmm. and then they hooked an EGR cooler in behind that. Oh, that's great, yeah. And you know what happens there. So we have the oil cooler now that it's plugged, mm -hmm. and because the oil cooler's plugged, that's the coolant that feeds the tubes for the heat exchangers inside the EGR cooler. So when that happens and they crack, well, guess where the coolant goes? Down the intake. Yep. Oh, but one more thing. Let's put four cylinder bolts uh, on the head instead of six. So, what do you think will happen with that? We're going to lift the head because it's not compressible. Of course. Blow the head gaskets and then, you know, the rest is... Plus, you know, glycol and oil, it's a great uh, mix. It really it, is. It really is a wonderful thing and to see glycol and oil mixing. Really a whole lot of fun. It's pretty amazing to see how corrosive that is on cylinder walls, too. <laughs> it just it amazes me. I, it's the sad thing is you'll get a guy that like... Man, I parked my truck. It's got 60,000 miles on it. And it. I was trying, uh, true story, guy, tell me about it. This is a Harley Davidson edition. I remember because I wanted one so bad I could stand it. It was cap and chairs in the back. Really, really oh, nice, nice truck. Yeah. Oh, it's clean. And the guy's like, oh, I was trying to get this thing out of the, uh, I had a trailer and I got stuck. And this thing started puffing out white smoke. So I just parked it in my yard for four weeks, five weeks, whatever it was. I think it, yeah, yeah mm -hmm. for a couple months. Then he brings it up to me. Well, we, we knew that the EGR cooler had ruptured. Well, we went ahead, go ahead and bulletproof it as it you know, pull the head off and the cylinder's completely pitted all the way around. You can see where the piston stopped yep. and the coolant has just capitated it. Yeah. And you have to tell a guy, 60,000 miles, this truck that is a beautiful truck, doesn't have a scratch on it. You need another engine because- Right, yeah, the whole engine's gone. Just take yeah. the whole thing, throw the whole thing away. If you'd have just brought it to me the day it happened, 
it wouldn't have cost you an engine. I could have right. fixed it. Right. But you let it sit. Yeah. And they thought they were doing right by that. Of course. And the life happens, and next thing you know, and corrosion does its thing. So Exactly. Well, I'm sure that he probably got some advice, you know, via... Uh, the internet, right? There you go. Yep. There you're going to that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, listen, yeah. hey, listen, that's the whole point of the Engine Performance Expo is that we want people who are watching to hear from people like yourself that have been there and done that. Like, you can see this man. You can see the parts he works on, yeah. what he's done. You're not hiding behind a keyboard. Because, no. unfortunately, and I've seen it in my own professional experience, there are people that are keyboard warriors that don't know what they're talking about. No. They don't. I mean, it's I mean, not shocking to hear that there's something on the internet that would be misleading. Yeah. I, it happens. Right. So the idea is let's have a resource here. Right. And that's all I did. We want to talk to you about the 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 power stroke engine is to say, hey, what are the pros? What are the cons of this engine platform? Because we do know it, it's a very popular platform. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of them out there and you can do some pretty cool stuff with them. So, you know, share those pros and cons and what are those really cool things you can do with them? Sure, sure. Yeah, that reminds me of Brad Paisley's song, So Much Cougar Online, you don't want to hear it. But, you know, I kind of, the people are all mechanics online. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and there's some, there is some good information out there. It's just you need to be a professional to be able to know whether it's good or bad. Mm -hmm. That's the bad part of it. Right. Um, so, uh, but, yeah, getting back to what we're talking about with the, uh, with the six liter, um, that pretty much spells out the disaster from there. Okay. Uh, on, on that six liter, that's... Cut and dry. The biggest thing is, is again, oil temperatures, because uh, if you're constantly having a problem, mm -hmm. you know, they say that the definition of insanity is doing the same, same thing, thing over again. Result. Yep. Yep. So uh, people will replace O-rings on injectors or they'll replace dummy plugs and standpipes and expect, why is this thing continually, you know, failing on me? And I see that all the time. And you're like, yeah. wait a minute, let's figure out the why. And uh, so definitely the six liter had uh some uh, major drawbacks they went through, uh, you know, from 2003 to 2007. Mm -hmm. So the way that breaks down is 94 and a half is the first year of the power stroke. And we carry that all the way out to 2003. Okay. Uh, that's the last year of the 7.3 rolls off the line. Okay. Uh, again, now we're starting to come into emission standards. Yep. Everybody's favorite topic. Right? <laughs> yeah. DPS. We love them. Oh, yeah. DEF fluid, all those great things. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, we start seeing that in 2008. Uh, but between 03 and 07, the mm -hmm. EGR cooler that was never seen before, it surfaces, and boy, does it make itself known on the scene. Uh, and it costs a lot of people a lot of money because, again, for that very reason that we discussed about the failure. Um, but moving on from the 2007 platform, they kept the vans because they couldn't stuff this in a van the six mm -hmm. four just wouldn't fit. fit yeah so they kept the six liter around till 2009 and 10 uh for the uh for the vans and uh, or 2009 i believe it was and uh, anyway the six four came out because of course submission standards right uh so now we are not only playing with the egr cooler we've got two of them two of them now two of them yeah and also now we have a potato a very large one in the tailpipe but the engineers have completely, uh, in a stroke of genius, designed uh, a way for catalyst system mm -hmm. to uh, now, in order, because we need this, the, the DPF to burn off the soot mm -hmm. uh, that we're going to place in it uh, by filtering the exhaust, really what would be the, the best thing we could do is let's just shoot fuel in the number seven and number eight cylinder on the exhaust stroke. Mm -hmm. And as it comes up, It'll just kind of get in the exhaust. It'll burn it all off. Oh, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. the way it works. That works great. Yeah. 
We come, you know, the best thing is we'll come up with a really cool name for it. We'll call it regeneration. Right. That's, that's, that's like, it's productive or something. Yeah, it's regeneration. Right? It's great. It's good stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah. Sure we're, not, we're not just dumping raw fuel right. in the exhaust. Because that would never wash on the walls. Never. I mean, diesel fuel is a great lubricant for something. It's better than gasoline. <laughs> yeah, that's about the truth. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so it washes the cylinder walls on number seven, number eight. And yep. people are having low compression issues. One of my favorite things to read is... To get, is that where some of the oil consumption started coming from in those? Because uh, it kills the cylinder and then... Yeah, there's a... Uh, well, one of the one of my favorite things to read is it's almost kind of like those... Uh, you ever read those... Um, Things like back in the 1950s, they'll say, you know, smoking's great for your child. <laughs> it's got this, well, this pregnant woman, and she's over there, obviously, and the kid comes out. Yeah. And, you know, he's a Mopar guy. I'm sorry, no. Um, but anyways, smoking does affect, you know, obviously, we know the, the cause of, of, of the problems there. But they did the same thing in the manual. Like the 2008 manual says, uh, it's not uncommon, uh, I think it says, uh, to see three quarts of extra, three to f uh, two to three extra quarts of oil uh, that you'll find when you drain your oil. Between changes. <laughs> true. Quartz oil. Yeah. You mean two or three quarts of fuel. Right, exactly. Okay, okay. Yeah. Right. I mean, if you've got somebody over there, your neighbor, and he's actually over dumping oil in it, maybe yeah. that may be okay. Right. But um, we're going to call it, for warranty's sake, we're going to call it oil. Otherwise, right. you know. Uh, so that's definitely been a big problem for them. Um, that didn't really help bearings. That well, they did not. On top of that, the six liter, again, we talked about the Huey injection system. Mm -hmm. um, and how when a Huey injector fires, it spits oil and sprays it over the top of the rockers. Well, the relationship was, to say the least, very strained between Ford and International. Uh, they weren't very happy with one another. Uh, Ford was paying out uh, quite a sum of money in warranty claims during that time. And they came to International and just basically told them, look, if you'll just get us till 2011, we're going to be done with y'all. And we'll make our own diesel engine. Which okay. is kind of interesting because they've never done it before in-house. Like mm -hmm. uh, so uh, International said, we'll fix you right up. <laughs> <laughs> we got a deal for you. <laughs> so anyways, uh, what they did, and you know, man, they, they, so basically what they did was they go, Ford said, you know, we've had it, we've had it up to here with you injection. We don't want it anymore. You can't meet emission standards because we need to increase the atomization for the fuel in right. order for it to incinerate and yeah. burn complete. You need so, more pressure. That's right. So instead now of seeing pressures of, again, with that intensifier, because maybe 21, 22,000 pounds of pressure, uh, we need to get it up to about 26,000 pounds of pressure. Common rail. Common yeah, rail. Yeah, high pressure common rail. Yeah. Okay. So what we're going to do, and this is the 6.4 is the first cousin of the 6 liter. They pulled the high pressure oil pump out. They made the bores bigger because obviously they were trying to compete now with mm -hmm. the the Cummins came out with a 6.7. Yes, exactly. And the Duramax was a 6.6. Six, six, so okay. we got it. We're over here with 6.0. We're going to have to step it up. Yep. So we're just making the holes bigger. Um, they did change castings and some things, um, but they are so, so very similar. And uh, when they did that, they put the high pressure common rail system on um, and they didn't think about the rocker assembly because now the rocker assembly never did oil very much. Ah, and this is all making sense now about why the rock. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, why the, why, oh, I totally know where we're going. So carry on because uh, okay. everybody needs to know the story and it's just not just in between me. So, so yes. So they go from the old Huey that's splashing oil when it's firing right. to high pressure common rail. Right. Where's that? Same old? rocker arm. Same rocker arm. They drilled a hole at the end of it. Middle hole for the bleed oil out of the tip of it. The tip of it. Yeah. Of the rocker. Sure. Why not? Okay. Yeah. That's kind of what I said. 
Okay. That's it. That's all they did. They drilled a hole under there. There's the same hole that's wrong through the lifter. It didn't get in anywhere. Actually, if you start up a 6'4", this is terrifying. If you start a 6'4", at ambient temperature of, say, 70 degrees, mm -hmm. start your clock watch. It'll take you four minutes before you get over the rocker. Okay. That's terrifying. I mean, it really is bad. Yeah. That's pretty bad. So, so their idea was, okay, we're going to take the rocker. It's got this push rod in it, so we're going to let it just have a hole in. It already had that hole. They just drilled a hole at the other end. The other end, thinking it's going to go over? I, I don't know. Where. Anyway, yeah. I don't know. You tell me. Yeah. Uh, because that, so it goes up the push rod like mm -hmm. it did on the other mm -hmm. one, and it's supposed to trail down the rocker and onto the valve bridge and lubricate. Well, they didn't, they just drilled a hole in that. That's the only right. real difference that you're going to see between the two. Um, rocker ratios shows the same. Nothing changed. It's the same right. stamped rocker. Um, so uh, it, it did not lubricate. Right. Because there was no lubrication there to be had anyways. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons why we developed the lubricating, the, the valve cover that actually lubricates, which is what you see on the table and what's behind me. But while we're uh, talking about the 6.4, they also had issues with piston cracking because, again, the name of the game is meeting the emission standards. Mm -hmm. So combustion bowl, to a combustion bowl is as important um, in the piston for a diesel engine as the port design is for say a carbureted engine right right uh there you know atomization keep in mind for a diesel engine actually occur it occurs right in the there. cylinder yeah, yeah it's there it happens there right not in the port nope. where everybody else is thinking that you know they try to take a lot of the uh a lot of the things with a with a uh, gasoline mm -hmm. style head port and try to try to um um relate them to the diesel right port and it just it's it's if anybody's seen a diesel port on it and they're tiny uh they're compared right. to uh to pretty much any gasoline engine. well it's it's apples and oranges and really in, in a big way the fuel is very different in terms of the the, the distillation temperature of the temp of the, of the fuel but you still have the same problem we don't burn liquid fuel this right. is that simple fact it has to vaporize right. for it to burn so the atomization process is helping move it from solid liquid to liquid droplets so they can more easily vaporize and that's the goal right. of those. Yeah, and in order to do so, the, they have basically two different designs and Cummins had played with this. Uh, 2003, 2004 and a half, they changed their combustion ball design. Mm -hmm. uh, one's a re-entrant piston where the combustion ball actually, if you were to do a cross-sectional view of mm -hmm. it, you'll see that the combustion ball actually wraps around and there's a lip. And the whole purpose of that is to try to force that heat back to the center of the mm -hmm. of the piston. Uh, it also does cause uh, for more areas of, of heat down towards the pockets uh, because the auto ignition temperature of hydrocarbons around 700, 750 mm -hmm. degrees. Uh, so they can burn those off if they can get that bowl a little bit hotter. Uh, yeah. So that's great. In theory, it works really well and it, it can work really well. Um, the problem with it is, is a lot of times guys in, diesel, in the diesel world, uh, definitely like to tune their trucks. I mean, if you've got... Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. I'm telling you. <laughs> Who'd have thought it, right? So the issue... I mean, that all that black smoke on those trucks, whenever, is it by accident? Uh, no. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's not because they've got a, 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 a filter over there, uh, or a bag over their filter. But um, that is definitely um, problematic when guys start tuning trucks to... The no man's land we found about 28 degrees is mm -hmm. where you kind of, that's the stopping point. Okay. Uh, some of the tuners that I know of on the market that uh, we're tuning are seeing 32 degrees injection timing. And it wouldn't matter if it was the LL, say the LML, mm -hmm. uh, 
um, or it was the 6.4 liter, we start seeing pistons crack. Um, yeah. And we talked about that through. Um, it's actually not a crack that occurs. It burns a hole, a tiny microscopic hole, and it splits like a watermelon on July day. Yep. You know, that's kind of the way it works. So the 6.4s were plagued with that. The fuel issues of going through regen mm -hmm. and being left on the cylinder wall, you know, it's wiping that fuel back down in the crankcase. Yep. And, you know, the things that you see from that are a lot of spun main bearings, um, a lot of uh, a lot of problems on the, on the bottom half of that engine. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of things that can be done for that, that we have done for uh, for fixing that engine, be it pistons, uh, total seal, I'll have to put a plug in. Yep. But total seal makes, you know, uh, one-piece ring on yeah. that. Yeah, second ring. Second ring. Just, yeah, it works really good for... Keeping the fuel where it's supposed, supposed to, be. to be, yeah, out of the crankcase. So you mysteriously get three quarts of right. extra oil. I just <laughs> added value, right? Yeah. They they did do away with that. They actually they, 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 came, yeah, back, they yeah. came back later and said, ah. you know, because the other thing that was really funny is this. This is a which is the most. This to me is just absolutely hilarious. It's a low maintenance engine, which nothing could be further from the truth. <laughs> that is the engine that has definitely helped us more than any. I mean, that's our specialty, our bread. Okay. Bread. And we, we do so, so many things to fix it. It's a great truck. Uh, really and truthfully, it's, you know, it's one of my favorites for that Ford ever came out with. Mm -hmm. It's got a great trans in it. It's got, it's a good looking truck. It's got good suspension, drives great. Mm -hmm. The engine was just definitely this insufficiency. But there's many, many things that we've done to, to fix that. To fix this. So talk about that. Let's talk talk about what me. I see these cool looking pistons over here. So tell us what you did with the pistons to fix the problems. So the pistons are actually a redesign. Um, they're not the two two four three six 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 part number that Molly came out with originally. Okay. Uh, it's an international version of that pistons that we start with. Okay. So it's a little bit thicker in the in the crown of the, of mm -hmm. the piston. Um, we machine the bowls out to uh, to our specifications, Got so it. we don't have some of the cracking issues that we had before. Uh, and then they're polyfin coated. Mm -hmm. um, you'll see valve reliefs in these. We work with uh, Comp Billy Gobble over yep. there to uh, to develop a, a camshaft that uh, helps lower EGTs and increase spill up. Um, mm -hmm. So it promotes better spilling for the turbos. Um, and doing so. Uh, it gets a little bit better mileage out of the vehicle mm -hmm. and a lot better drivability. So those are actually valve release. Those are valve release. Okay, that's cool. Correct. Uh, so on top of that, obviously you see the valve cover that's on the table there that actually has an oil rail system uh, that goes through it. And what we basically did was we took the um, the idea mm -hmm. of the seven three head. Now the seven three head, the way that it worked on a seven three would mm -hmm. be you put the injector in here and there's this long rail. Okay. okay, and it filled this cavity full of oil, and then the oil would feed the injector. Right. The six seven. When Ford came out with the six seven, they realized everything we had problems with. Let's just take everything that we know and try to put it into one engine and fix all these problems. Okay. So what they did? Guess what? They came out with an oiler for their rocker arms, which wasn't really necessary for the six four, or excuse me, for the six seven. Mm -hmm. But I think they got burned so bad. Oh yeah, they weren't gonna. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey listen, hey, proper lubrication, right oil, right place, right time, right amount. They're like, we got burned on these two before. Yeah, we're not gonna be burned again. We're gonna make sure we get plenty of it there when it needs to be there. Not gonna get burned on that one. Right, and they did. So they wound up putting a uh, uh, a tube rail system down. And when we originally started mm -hmm. making this design, we did that. 
then we found the thing that I, and I say this all the time, and if you've seen any other interviews or any podcasts that mm-hmm. I've done, uh, I love Chrysler's uh, little motto, fashion by function. And, you know, it's a pretty valve cover. Everybody likes billet. Everybody likes aluminum. Everybody Buy likes it. something that's machined. But I like something that works. So the original tube design worked, and it worked good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we figured, you know, there was a better way to manufacture it. So what we actually did was we took that same idea from the 7.3 with the head with the mm-hmm. rail on it. And then we took the 6.7 design with the old rail. We meshed them together. We came up with a design. And then we made it for the 6.4. So what this cavity does, the things that we've seen with it, we've seen temperatures drop because it does act like uh, an oil cooler. Uh, oh, yeah. It's a big, giant heat sink, right? It's yeah, perfect. Exactly. You run oil through there, and it's going to radiate heat out because it's the heat transfer properties of aluminum are fantastic. So it's cooling the oil, which right. is a fantastic thing. Yeah, it, it adds. There's so many things that are functional to that. Um, so with the uh, orifices that we've got in there, it sprays right down on top of the rockers. So. Okay. And the thing that we've noticed about this is that it actually lowers the uh, at idle, uh, the sound decibels by 10 points. So it's pretty crazy. 10 decibels. 10 decibels. So that goes to show you, you know, if you've, and you know better than anybody, but being around a uh, Spintron, mm-hmm. people just do not realize how much valve train noise. Oh, that's, it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, if you didn't well, you know, know, are my buddy Ben Strader, right? Yeah. All the time showing these videos. They're like, how much power do you make? It's like, it's a spin drive. It's, it's, it, that's not firing. Right. I know, I heard it fires, man. It's like, that's just the valve train making the noise. Literally nothing else. It's pretty crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah. The first time I ever walked down the top and they were running one, I was like, this, you know, I couldn't believe it. It was just, it, it's unfathomable how much noise a valve train possibly can make. So this, um, this, this spraying on the valve train, 10 decibels. That's, That's pretty cool. The, it is so much so that it's quieter than my new 6.7 power stroke. Okay, I'll say this. My no. wife wants you to sell these to every one of our neighborhood that has the big trucks. <laughs> uh, we would be more than happy. <laughs> Keep them quiet, you know? That's right. So it does. It makes a huge difference on that. And um, so that, that fixes the problem as well okay. for them there. With the 6.7 power stroke, it was a whole completely different design. And the reason why I say that is heretofore, International had made the Power Stroke engine. Right. International is also known for tractors. There you go. And so it's a it's an industrial application or commercial mm-hmm. application. Right. Well, Ford didn't think about that at all. They they have one purpose for that engine and one purpose only, and that's to uh, go into their Super Duty lineup. Yep. So they started from scratch, but they kept their notes. And it's pretty interesting. One, the motto, the main theme of the 6.7 power stroke is weight reduction. Okay. In every uh, form and facet of that engine, from the block that's a compacted graphite iron block, okay, to the turbocharger mm-hmm. uh, that is a, uh, a dual plane turbocharger. It's nice. A single sequential turbocharger SSD. Well, it was that we can get into that if you want, but it, that turned out not to work out too well for them. Um, so we'll save that for another day. Yeah. But the, uh, six, seven, uh, it really, they really thought about weight reduction through the connecting rods, mm-hmm. uh, which turned out to bite them. Okay. And they wound up changing that in 2017. All right. Uh, and beefing up the rods. I mean, it's a diesel at the end of the day. Come on, man. Yeah. yeah save money somewhere else. Just two guy compression. Right. <laughs> Just tell the guy to get out if you're trying to, you know. Right. Yeah. But save the weight where it needs to be. So what, what what was the static compression on those engines before they the static so the light rod I should say the compression ratio of a uh, 
6.7 was about 16 and a half. 16.8 to 1. So it's still really, I mean, yeah. still yeah. really high. It was. It was definitely high. Um, but they uh, really had issues with, if that if that engine had ever been hydrolocked for any reason whatsoever. Oh, it was I, done. Oh, it's done. Yeah. Bad. Yeah, I didn't have the chance, right? Yeah. Okay. So uh, that was uh, that was a major major flaw that they so had. Upgraded the rods as they went forward. See, yeah. so, yeah, I, I, being back to the rock arm thing, the timing of that 08, 09, 10 era there, that's right when the CK4 diesel oil came mm -hmm. out. Exactly. And that, that same era, and that was, I mean, Ford was the first one to break ranks with API and say, no, yeah. you cannot use the new oil yes. in it because they were having rock arm problems. Because back to you know, right oil, right place, right time, right amount. Well, what's the right oil? It's the right viscosity yeah. and additives for the application. Yeah. And they, like you said, they were already marginal on the edge. That little bit of change in additive package pushed them over the edge, and they were like, "No, we're not doing it. Right. You have to run the old spec oil yeah. in those engines. No way around it." And then, of course, that get, did get itself worked out over time, but. Uh, yeah, that was interesting. That those little they were right. Yeah, that was it. Definitely has wreaked havoc. Ford, you know, which is interesting because Ford is definitely the first on the scene when it comes to diesel. Now it doesn't matter. I've said this before. It doesn't matter if you're a Cummins guy uh, or a Duramax guy or a PowerShirt guy. Ford's always the first on the scene with anything, um, and you can't you can't argue that point because uh, Ford was the first to use a compacted graphite iron block. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ford was also the first uh, to try ever for a dual sequential turbocharger system on the 6.4. Okay. They're the only ones to use a Huey injection system. Uh, Ford was um, the first to ever use a steel piston. Okay. That, see, that's cool right there. Yeah, and, and they crank their, their rail pressures up to, uh, or injection pressures up to 36,000 PSI. 36,000 PSI. That's still just mind-boggling. It is. It is pretty incredible. Uh, so it doesn't matter. They were also the first. And far, as far as, no, when I'm saying first, I'm saying for automotive applications. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right. But the reverse flow engine. Now the intakes are instead of being on the uh, inside of the engine. And yep. Now it's just reverse. So now your intakes are on there. The valve cover actually acts as the, inter, as the intake okay. on the 6.7. Uh, it's a teardrop flow that you've got now. That had never been done before in an automotive application for a diesel engine um, for diesel pickups. So they were the first one we've seen for that as well. Uh, so there's there's so many things that Ford was just the first on the scene to do. They were the first ones to use a variable geometry turbocharger in 03 with the 6.0. Okay. Later, unfortunately, it's almost as though, and I'm not picking on the other guys, but it's almost as though GM sits back and, 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 and Cummins sits back and go, let's see how it works out for them. <laughs> and, uh, because they really did. Yeah. 03 was the first year for the, for the VGT. For the six liter, and then following suit, the General Motors came out, or Duramax came out in 04 and a half. Uh, the LOI came out with it. Got it. And then Cummins didn't come out with it until 07 and a half. Uh, so you can't, you, you can't argue the point that they are the first on the scene with everything that they do in the diesel world. Well, it sounds like it also keeps your life interesting too, right? They're always coming up with something new and different, so there's going to be new fun challenges and things to fix and things to learn. So it's never, never a dull day when it comes to the Fords, huh? It's true. But the 6.7, was a, it's an interesting engine, keeping with the lightening of the uh, rotational assembly. Mm -hmm. uh, they lightened up the uh, from 11 to 15 uh, harmonic balancers, uh, the earlier year model flex plates were, were a little bit lighter. Mm -hmm. They were just trying to get everything to be as responsive as it possibly could with less rotational mass. 
Okay. Um, so that was the, it, it, it tended to end poorly in some areas. Okay. Uh, but they wound up putting a larger harmonic balancer on it. They found out that, you know, first order imbalances were a thing and that definitely needed to have some type of absorption for, uh, for the combustion events that were taking place because they had crankshafts that were fa failing. Them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was a problem. <laughs> um, they, uh, so there, there's a lot of things though that, uh, the six, seven fixed, but with everything, as you, you know, you well know, it seems like when you fix one thing in designing something else, you, yeah, yeah. you just keep moving that weak link to the next thing. You exactly. uncover what the next thing that's going to not be able to hold up to what you're asking it to do. But I, you, you've kind of painted a picture, you know, someone could listen to this and say, man, they sound like they're terrible motors or they're hot garbage. But in reality, well, I think what you're really saying is this is an excellent platform yeah. to hot rod. Oh yeah, because there's all the yes, they had these inherent design problems. Right. Which if you get in with anybody that does one engine platform or a bunch of it, they're going to be able to tell you every dark, dirty secret about it and make you think you should never come walking near one because it's going to blow up and kill you like a grenade. Yeah. But the reality is, they all had their strengths and weaknesses. Sounds like again, this platform has got some real potential for some pretty cool stuff on the, on the aftermarket side for hot riding it up because of they put they did push mm -hmm. the potential. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, if you talk to me long enough on Cummins or, or Duramax, I mean, you walk everywhere you go after. <laughs> I mean, that's just you're making me buy my Mercedes more and more, right? It's yeah, four thousand miles, forty years old, still runs. Who cares what gas is? I've got a bicycle. <laughs> uh, but you know that is definitely it is a great uh, uh, a great platform. Uh, again, they upgraded the cross bolt uh, mains, mm -hmm. um, so there was a lot of things that they did, and, and a lot of things that the new 2020 came out with the steel piston design, mm -hmm. bigger connecting rods, uh, automatically right out of the gate. Those things are. Uh, man, the horsepower ratings, I believe, are a little over 500 horsepower, well over 1,000 foot-pound of torque. Man, that's yeah. just, yeah. It's pretty incredible. That is. Yeah. You know. But that's a factory engine, 1,000 foot-pounds. That's just pound-feet, whatever. I, I don't know. Of course, I guess mine. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, I get it. But Yeah, but you have to go, you know, so many people go, well, they don't make them like they used to. And the truth is, is you're absolutely right. They don't make them like they used to. The 7.3, yeah, will it live forever? Sure. It never made enough power to hurt itself. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> it's true. This is like my Mercedes. It makes 67 horsepower. It's true. It, 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 it'll never die. Because, yeah. like I said, it can't make enough power to hurt itself. I mean, right now, guys are swelling up and they own 94 to 97. I've got four drives. Yeah. <laughs> you're not ever, I mean, it's not going to make enough. But it's uh, really, it. Uh, they, the duty and the demand mm -hmm. of the new diesel engine. Is so great uh, that you know right out of the gate you're 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 asking that much power for this thing and you're asking for it to be compliant. So you really put your your it's a big ask on both sides. It really to, is. to make make that kind of power, but also do it and meet emission standards as well, which are incredibly hard compared to what it was ten years ago. Yeah. In light years compared to what it was 20 years ago. Because 20 years ago, really, there wasn't any standards. No, there really wasn't. Uh, and now you, it's treated like a gasoline engine, essentially. Exactly. That's exactly right. So there's been a lot of changes, especially with the steel pistons. You know, And there's things and nuances in it. And I encourage anybody to give us a call. Because mm -hmm. there are things that we know about these engines that, you know, I can tell you right now, guys, Brian, uh, 2020, this is, you know, you being the gearhead you are, uh, can appreciate this, but guys are buying uh, replacement engines for their 2012. Ford is only making one block 
right, for mm -hmm. that. But the way they're machining that block is for a steel piston. But this guy's using it for a cast aluminum piston. Ooh, ooh, I see problems already. Yes. Yeah, that's a big problem. Yep. Like thermal expansion rates are quite different. Big difference. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we see a lot of problems with that kind of thing. And, you know, there's a lot of information that we're able to tell the customer and save you thousands and thousands of dollars, uh, save your truck from being down and mm -hmm. you not being able to get to work. Right. That's uh, a big deal. And, and I'm we, sure a lot of your customers, that's, that, that truck isn't a race car. Right. They like to use it as one. Right. right. But it, but it is their daily like, driver. Yeah. Like that, for real, daily driver. That's right. So, uh, and, and we talk about the big demands that are on it. Not only are you asking it for a thousand pound fee, you're not, not only asking it for emissions, but you're also asking it to be able to race on the weekend and drive on the, on the weekday mm -hmm. and pull a trailer with your horses to, you know, your daughter's barrel racing competition. Exactly. That's a lot. You know, I want everything in one, you know, right. I just, and we know that from, you know, machining equipment or whatever. Typically when you get something that does everything, uh, it never does anything really, really good, right. but not in the case of the diesel engine. Um, it's more efficient, always will be, um, you know, the pros of a diesel engine are always going to be better because the, uh, the British thermal units in a, mm -hmm. Uh, one gallon of diesel fuel is about 138,000 BTUs mm -hmm. to gasoline. That's what, 120-ish, 125, 126. Yeah. So you're always going to have uh, a better efficiency with that. Um, there is so much to be had from that that it's, I mean, you can't ignore it. So uh, we're a major proponent of diesel for those reasons. And um, for hot riding and for, for, for daily driving, there's a lot of good platforms out there. And what used to people ask me all the time, if you're going to buy a new diesel truck right now, which one would you buy? And the truth is, is there's so, there are problems with every single one like there are on every vehicle. Right. Um, but again, um, and I'm the worst person to ask because I, I do know all the insufficiencies or, or, or some of the inherent problems with them, but there really isn't a bad one. On right. The they're all, they're all really actually pretty daggum good. Yeah, they really are. So there, there's uh that's the thing to think about about. That's cool. Do, do you see some people going back and trying to buy some of the older pre-emissions oh. vehicles? Are they really in demand because of that? Well, you know, I don't know if it's in demand because of the emission deal uh, or not, but they definitely. The crazy thing is, is that the 7.3 market is just, uh, uh, or if it doesn't matter if it's a 7.3 market or if it's 12-valve 12, 12 guys mm -hmm. in Cummins, or it's the Duramax, you know, LV7, LOY, LBZ guys. They are, these trucks are bringing insane amounts of money. Um, and it's, it was even that way before the pandemic when you, you know, now. Oh, oh yeah, right now it's everything's ridiculous. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, actually, I went to go at the local, uh, uh, to the local dealer, uh, to buy four wheeler this weekend. And of course, there was nothing in there to buy. And he said, just put a hundred bucks down and wait your turn. <laughs> for a four-wheeler for a four-wheeler um, so uh, but even with that the prices of, of those diesel trucks have been uh, just through the roof because there's a following there there's mm -hmm. a loyalty there that square body is a classic already you know yeah it's and uh, it doesn't matter I mean guys love their trucks you know and that's it'll always be that way I think hey listen anybody that's ever pulled a trailer up the hill and passed another dude passed a car yeah, it's, it's, that's how it is, right? We, we don't like to downshift. I mean, these these no, guys, no. that's just a bad thing. No, I'm going mean, to drag grass up the hill for my dudes. So, I mean, that's the great thing about a diesel. You just set it on cruise and you don't ever see it kick out of the sixth gear. It's just going to 
uh, it's, it's got the torque that you need for pulling, and there's no substitute for that. No, there isn't. There isn't. Any, any, anyone that's ever had pulled a trailer with a gas engine and a, and a diesel, mm -hmm. you don't have to know just the once. That's all it takes is the once, and you know, and there's no going back. You gotta have it. That's exactly right. Well, cool, man. Thanks for the time. I appreciate you, you know, speaking to the audience and everybody know what you're doing. So if they want to reach and touch out with you, what's the best way for them to talk to you? Uh, you can email us. Uh, you can go on our website at uh, chopeperformance.com and reach our email through that, 901-553-9847. Uh, we have a Facebook page, uh, Chode Engineering Performance. Uh, you can look us up there or find us on Instagram at Chode Performance. Uh, those are all great ways to get in touch.